0: So we are kicking off a new series this morning, and it's, it's going to be over the next five weeks. And I, I'm going to give you a, a disclaimer. I am going to get into your business. All right, there is some things that the Lord laid on my heart, and it's going to be a journey uh, of, of getting into your heart, into your soul, into the broken pieces, into the pain, into the, into the areas that a lot of times we don't like to go to. Because I believe that something the Lord put on my heart about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago was was this very series and I'd been kind of talking with the Lord and saying where do you want to go like what do you want to do uh, in this next series where do you want to go and, and he began to speak into my heart what I'm going to share with you and I have a few kind of ideas of where I felt like the Lord's going to take us over the next few weeks but um, again I want to be spirit led and I want I want to let the Holy Spirit do what he does but but can I just say this that let the Holy Spirit do the surgery that he wants to do that you would not resist the physician, that you wouldn't resist what God wants to do in your lives, because anything that God wants to do, he wants to make it better, right? Like anything that God wants to do in our lives, anything he wants to do in our hearts, he, he wants to make our lives better. And so to know that, so if you would turn your Bibles with me to First Samuel chapter 9, and I'm going to cover a lot of scripture this morning uh, because we've got to get the full context of the story. And so and to do that, I've got to cover a lot of passages. It's not a lot of reading, but it's just we're going to be bouncing a lot, which I don't normally do. Uh, but I really I felt like I needed to do this, because we've got to look at a life over the course of several years. And to do that, we've got to go through the text. And so we're going to do that this morning. So if you would turn your Bibles with me to First Samuel chapter 9. And we're going to read just a few verses here, and then uh, we'll get into this. So, 1 Samuel chapter 9, it says this, there was a wealthy influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abel, son of Zeror, son of Becharath, and son of Apahiah. I mean, really, this is the scripture that I choose to start off the year with, some of these crazy names. And it says, of the tribe of Benjamin, his son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that Saul was such a good-looking guy. We thank you, Lord, that you made him look just like me. And Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it never returns void. It always accomplishes what it sent out to do. So Lord, I thank you, God, right now, God, that as your word goes forth, that it would change us from the inside out, that it would transform us, God, that it would speak truth to us, Lord, and it would... With would free us, God, from whatever it is that we may be bound from. And, Lord, we thank you that in that, God, that we would make you more famous today than you were yesterday. If you believe that, come on, say amen. So the title, if you're into titles, you can write this down, the cover-up. And, and I really encourage you to, to write notes, not because of what I'm going to say, but because of what God is going to reveal to you. See, it's not about what Pastor Brian preaches to you. It's about what the Holy Spirit provokes in you. And sometimes you can forget it, and sometimes you want to forget it. But if you write it down, then the Holy Spirit can remind you and remind you and remind you and remind you. And so I would encourage you to do that. And and so this this sermon is really going to to just expose some things in Saul's life that I think some of us can relate to. And here we see that Saul is this really good-looking guy. He's He's got some things going for him. And I think if we're honest, all of us have some things going for us. We may not think it, but we all have some advantage in life. And, and I was just thinking about, you know, sometimes we see things that we really want to see. And I've got a story a couple of weeks ago. I was deer hunting. No, I haven't killed a deer yet. It's been a tough year. And uh, so I'm, I'm, in a, I'm doing a morning hunt. And so it's, it's still dark. I get out there like an hour and a half in, you know, before it gets daylight. And I'm out there hunting and I'm seeing this spot. And I know this spot that I typically see the deer come through. And I'm just staring at it, and as it starts to get a little bit brighter, and you can start to kind of see them make out the trees and all the shapes on the ground and all of that kind of stuff, I see there's a deer in front of me. I was like, if it'll just stay there till daylight, we're going to have dinner tonight. And I'm looking, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and then I see it kind of moving around. I swear it's looking at me, and I'm like, okay, surely it's not seeing me in the dark. I got camo on. (laughs) This stuff's supposed to work. And it got, it got, it gets brighter, and it gets a little bit brighter, it gets a little bit brighter, and soon, as soon as I, it's daylight, I realize that the thing that I'm looking at is it not? It's not a deer. The whole time, my heart's beating. I mean, I'm like, yeah, game on today. And there was a bush that was next to this thing, and it kept moving because the wind was moving. And it gets daylight. I'm like, okay, I've been staring at the same thing, and nothing's changed. That is not a deer. That is a bush with just a little dark spot in front of it looked like its head. And, and I tell you that story because this is that you want, you will always see what you want to see. In other words, you will always see in your life what you want to see. Or let me say it this way, you will always try to do in your life what you want others to see you as. That's why Instagram and Facebook and all of these things have become so addictive is because you want people to perceive you a certain way but here's the deal is that we really know who we really are but a lot of times what we do is we adjust our lives based on how people will perceive us and not the brokenness within us and this is the cover-up this is what I want to address this morning that how many of you know when we do resolutions and we do things and we set new goals this year most of the time those goals are based on how other people will perceive us and not our health. Like, you can have a six-pack and still be emotionally in turmoil. You can can have all of the business transactions going on, and you can look, and you can have the coolest car, and you can have all those things and still be broken on the inside. And this is what I want to address, is that so many times we set up goals in our lives based on what others, how, how they will perceive us. Instead of, so we want to look healthy, but not be healthy. And I would much rather you look unhealthy on the outside and be healthy on the inside. I would rather you not look like Saul and have a great handsome look and be taller above than everybody else, but be healthy inside. And so to do that, we have to address and we have to look at Saul's life and we have to look at our own interior life. We have to look at our own world. We have to look at our own lives and and really see what's going on on the inside. See, many of us right now, we've already set up some goals, but how many of those goals were really so that you can tell people certain things or so you can look a certain way, so that you can be perceived as a certain person? Because it's really not very fun to be transparent and be authentic with brokenness or with pain or with fear or anxiety or different things that are going on in our lives, right? Like no one wears t-shirts and says, I struggle with whatever. No, we put on whatever we can to look good, to look happy, to look to look the part, but be broken on the inside. And man, what would it look like if this year is you could maybe not have everything together on the outside, but have everything fixed on the inside? What could it look like if you would stop covering up the issues internally and expose them to the Lord? So see, we see here in... in in verse 9 or chapter 9, that God is showing us, he's, he's showing us and revealing Saul. This is what he looks like. And then in verse 10, in verse 1, it says this, Then Samuel, Samuel was the prophet who was called to anoint a new king. They, they, char- they were saying, look, we want a king. You know, king, the Lord has been their, their king at the, up to this point. He's been leading them and guiding them. And they finally said, we want a king. And finally God said, if you want a king, this is your new king. And so Samuel, the prophet, is told, you should anoint this person. And this is where we pick up. It says, then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Now, this was God's idea, was to anoint Saul, to put him in this position, Right? Now, if you go back, you would see that Saul doesn't think that he's that much, that he's worthy to be king. But God says you are worthy to be king, and I'm going to put you in that position because I think that you would be great for that spot. And in this, we see this is that sometimes we get put in positions and we think that if we get to this position, if we get to be this person, if we get to be this, this will fix everything. If I could just be the king of my world, if I could be the king of my life, if I could have everything in power, if I could have all of this, I would just be fixed. However, this is what we would think that would happen with Saul. But it's the complete opposite. Is that as he reveals that he's now the king, now he has this opportunity to fake everybody out. To cover up who he really is. To use his kingdomship, his kingship, as an opportunity to not address the issues internally. And here's this thing I want you to understand is this, is that external gain won't eliminate internal struggles. Whatever you may set up in your life this year to accomplish externally, it doesn't eliminate the internal struggles that you will deal with. And I wanna set that up this morning because I want you to understand that regardless of what you may want to acquire externally, it doesn't fix what's broken on the inside. And where Saul was thinking, man, my, my, my mindset of I'm the worst, I'm the least of the clan, I'm all of these things, his viewpoints of himself internally did not change just because he was positioned as king. Sometimes that's what we think, right? We fake ourselves out, if I will get to this place in financial well-being, if I get to this place with a family, if I get married, this will fix everything, How many of all the married people know that? No, all that did was expose. We'll talk about that in February, okay? All right. But right, like we think that if we will accomplish this, then it'll eliminate or eradicate that. But that stays there even though you get this. And this is where God is wanting to take us this morning is that, look, you may have a kingdom. You may have some king stuff on the outside. You may have it all together externally, but if you're honest with yourself, you're broken inside. You're broken and you're missing some things that you know that the Lord is wanting to, to address. And, and I want to take us slow into this over the next five weeks. Like I want you to, to take your time with whatever it is that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal. See, like Saul, sometimes we don't look inward because our, our position doesn't require us to have to. See, King, the king is the king. Like, he's got, he has all the power, all the influence, all everything. And sometimes we justify looking internally because of who we are externally. Right? The king, he didn't have to deal with inside things because he was the king. And this is what the enemy will do is he will use power, prestige, influence. He will use the things that you've acquired to tell you you don't need to work on things internally. Okay, I got real quiet. Real quick. See, trouble and pain, see, sometimes we avoid trouble and pain, right? But if I'm honest, most of the times in my life that I've had trouble or pain is where I grew the most. It's where I, it's where I really looked internally and said, okay, who is Brian really? Holy Spirit, show, who, show me who I am, because it's, it, it, when you're in trouble and then you're in pain, you're probably in your most humble state. Because you realize you don't have it all together. You realize you are susceptible to things, to life. And in that, the Holy Spirit gets an opportunity to sneak a peek into your life. And you get to see you for who you are. Some of us, we try to avoid trouble and pain. But sometimes trouble and pain comes because God wants to reveal who he is in you. And some of the things in you that he doesn't like that he wants to fix. That he wants to heal. That he wants to restore See, Saul's error wasn't becoming king. His error wasn't, God chose him to be king. It was God's idea for him to be king. I believe that God chose him to be king because he thought that he was capable of doing what he called him to do. I don't know anywhere in scripture where God puts us in a position just to see us fail. Like that's not the nature and the character of God, right? So really, we look at Saul, and if you know the story, you know Saul eventually became a very bad king. But I don't believe that God set it up like that. I believe God set it up for the king to be the king, and then over the course of time, because he justified who he was, he refused to look internally, and over the time, the power of being king, it corrupted him. And so we see that it wasn't the error of him wasn't becoming king. it was confronting the internal issues. It was him unwilling to confront who Saul really was. Because when Saul left the kingdom and he went into his bedroom, he was just Saul. And look, at the end of the day, all of us are just who God created us to be. Take off the label of pastor, I'm just Brian. A boy who was born with a, got, with a plan that God had and in, in my room and when I'm at my house, guess what, my daughter doesn't run around calling me Pastor Brian. My wife certainly doesn't. I don't remind them of my position. And here is, is this thing, is that the king, he had to deal with who he was after no one was around. And you and I have to be really honest with ourselves. Who are we when no one is around? The things that get in our minds, the things that begin to torment us, the, things, the, the, the tendencies that we all have. See, we justify what's going on internally for what's being obtained externally. Have you ever done that? Everything is moving so good, and your, your life is going good, and you thought this promotion wouldn't come it finally came, and then you, you begin to justify who you are because of what you're acquiring externally, and as you begin to dis- disintegrate internally. I mean, if it was true, then how come Hollywood just isn't, how come they're not just killing it in the marriage world? And how come they're not just killing it in the, in the, in the, mo- the emotions and, and the health standpoint? Because it doesn't matter because you can acquire all you can externally and still be completely broken internally. And this is the story of Saul. This is what is happening to Saul. Saul has been this guy who's the least of the clan of Benjamin, and now he's been chosen as king. And he's thinking, what have I done to acquire this? You've done nothing to acquire this. God chose you because he sees something in you. And you can look at yourself and say, man, look at my life. Why am I the parent of this? Why have you called me into this? Because he sees you, you're capable of it. But you're only capable of it if you will be honest with what's going on inside of you. I mean, as you, have you ever felt as a parent inadequate? Like, Lord, really, you gave me this many kids and I'm supposed to steward this many kids? How am I going to do this? Because God called you to do it called you into a business to lead and to run that business and to put Jesus at the forefront. How am I going to do this? How can I do this and get ahead of people? Because they don't have integrity, but I have to have integrity. God called you to do it so he can anoint you to do it. But you got to be honest with that so that you can get where God wants to get you. See, external achievements can tend to hide our greatest problems. These external things can tend to hide Some of our greatest struggles in in life. Many of you came in here this morning with goals, with desires, with ambitions. And this morning, I believe that if the Lord could really speak into it and really, really speak into the soul of who you are, would would those goals be what he gave you? To be able to be this certain type of person, to accomplish this certain thing. See, growth is still required, even whether it's promotion or demotion. Like, you realize that none of us are going to just look at this year and be like, well, I'm going to grow, and I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to grow. Like, that doesn't happen, right? You have to be intentional with where you want to grow. Like, it is my goal this year to have some new growth in my life, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, all these different things. Well, I can't just because I wish upon a star, I grow, like, I have to grow. To grow, I have to endure certain things to get where I want to go. Like, right, no one gets a membership at a gym and then all of a sudden just gets biceps. Like, oh, that was cool, man. Gets legs for days. No, it doesn't happen. Like, this, this does not happen. What gets muscles is pain, is resistance, is being honest with where you're at, I mean, if you pick up a 45-pound dumbbell to curl it and you just don't have the power, you got to own up to it and say, wow, I can only pick up 20. But what do you do? You pick up the 20 and you start curling. You start doing what you've got to do and be honest with yourself. I mean, you continue to, have you seen these people, some of the memes in the gyms? It's like they, they get like this this much weight as they can get and they're like, and it's like, dude, that did nothing for the bicep. And sometimes we can justify action in what we're doing, but it's not the right thing. Well, I prayed this morning. Did you really pray? I read my Bible this morning, but what did the Holy Spirit speak to you? I came to church, but did you worship him? You see what I'm saying? Like we can so easily justify our external actions for God. I'm changing. I'm growing. No, you're not. You're going through the motions of being, just, of just doing and you have to be really careful as this, as just like the king, this king Saul, like he was going through the motions of being king, ignoring some of the major issues internally. We haven't gotten there yet, but we're getting there here in just a moment. That we see that, that the king is really trying to justify who he is for what's inside him. Well, apparently God thinks I am something, so I just don't have to deal with certain things. Right? Have you ever been there? Well, God, you're moving in my life. I mean, I got a check in the mail. I must be doing right. No, God just has grace. You know, I was reading this, this. I was reading the Old Testament this week, and even the law. You know, the first five books of the Bible are required as the law. They're, they're talking, but even in the law, God is gracious. Like you can't get around how good God's grace is, even in the law, even when God is supposed to be like line upon line, like precept upon precept, God is still gracious and still loving, even in the Old Testament. That's good news for us. Because we have to know that it's not about all of the works that we do, it's about us submitting our lives to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit begin to go to work on us. That if you want growth, You've got to be willing to put yourself in the presence of God. So verse Samuel, he's anointed. I mean, it's, it's a done deal. And then we move on. Just a few verses. Seven verses we move down. And so we see that God has chosen him to be king. And then seven verses later, he says this. As Saul turned and started to leave. So he's been anointed, and now he's leaving. Okay? He's accepted the role. And now he's leaving. This is what it says. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And as I read that, God provoked in my heart to say, look, God I mean, God was so about Saul that he said, look, the heart that you have is not gonna be able to be, it's not gonna be able to do the job. I'm gonna give you a new heart. Now he didn't like a new, this is not talking like heart surgery like where it was a little flesh heart. No, he's changing something on the internal side of who he is. And why did he give him this new heart? He gave him this new heart, I believe, for one reason, so that he can confront with courage the issues internally. And this is the point, is that a new heart gives you the courage to confront the real you. See, there was a, you got to understand, if you've ever been put in a role, you've ever been put in a position, you've ever had something happen to you that you feel that you're not worthy to have, right, the first thing you've got to deal with is not voices, but the inner voice, you're not worthy, I remember as a youth pastor and and preaching, and then God began to call me into adult ministry, and I began to preach to adults, I was still a youth pastor, but I would, and I was, there was a lot of talk about how good I could speak, and, and I could minister to adults, and this was my first couple times doing it, and I remember thinking, God, you called me this, but I don't know if I can do this. And the issue was not with the voices externally, the voice was internally. It was the one that was the doubter on the inside saying, God, I don't think I can do this. I don't know, like youth are so easy. I can say crap and they laugh at it. If I say that in big church, they're going to maybe get offended and leave. Right? Y'all, anybody leaving? (laughs) Okay. Okay but it was so much easier to preach to youth because I could be so much real and I could be so raw and now you guys get it anyway. I just, you know, like I'm doing how I do. But the, the issue was this, is that the king or the anointing of the pastor Brian on the outside was fine. It was the inside pastor that struggled. And maybe for you, it's the husband. That husband role, man, it has you like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, or the father, or the single person, and I don't know, like, it's great to be a single person on the outside, but inside, it's terrible. Like, I'm the bottom of the totem pole at work, and it's terrible, and you begin to allow those things internally to affect you. But God gave him a new heart. He gave him a new heart so that he could, confront, he could confront the issues internally in his life. And I want to tell you today, you, if you said yes to Jesus, guess what? You got a new heart. You were, you've, been, you've been changed and transformed from the inside out. You've been given a new heart to confront the internal you. And so here we see God is so invested in Saul. That he's like, I'm going to give you a new heart so that you have the courage to fight against the king on the inside that says you're not worthy to be king. That voice that reminds you on a daily basis that you're not worthy to be king. You can remind him and says, look, God gave me a new heart. He put me in this position. I didn't ask for it. See, God can be a part of the plan, but you have to be willing to adjust your life to it. God, is, God This is God's plan. This is God's idea. This is not Saul's idea. This is God's plan, and Saul in this moment had to say, you know what, I want to be a part of God's plan over mine, and sometimes we run from the plan that God has for us because we don't think we can roll, we can, we can be in the role that God's called us into, right? We run from the role, we run from the job, we run from the relationship, we run from the emotional pain or the, the turmoil that will come along with it, we run from it. And God says, look, if you will ride out the plan, I will be with you in it. So you can have a new heart, but here's the problem. You can have a mind that corrupts it. So you can have a heart from God, but a mind that's not been renewed. That tells you every day that you wake up and someone addresses you as King Saul, on the inside you say, I'm not worthy to be Saul. And here's the thing, is, is you, you will eventually begin to believe the inner you. And you will begin to live out and you will begin to respond and act like the inner you instead of the one that God has called you into. See, you have this heart. That's, that's evident. I mean, it's in Scripture that God gave him this heart. But the problem was, is his mind was resisting the heart change, the position And this year, I just want you to know that as you go into this year and you're like, man, I'm going to change. I'm going to grow spiritually in a new way. I'm going to address some of these things internally, or I'm going to live in a certain way. I'm going to adjust some some things inside. That as you begin to make those decisions, you're going to have to fight off the enemy attacking your mind before you're ever going to get to the place that God's calling you to. You have to resist it. So you know what, God? This is God's plan. I want to be a part of his plan, not mine. Don't lose what God gave you to keep what you never needed. In this moment, Saul is wrestling between king, gave me a new heart, and who he really was. I'm the the least of the clan of Benjamin. So he's wrestling between the two. He's like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be, but this is what I feel like I am just like you and I right now. Like we have all of these ambitions, we have all of these things, right? We don't want to lose some things to get some other things. Because some of us, if we're honest, some of those emotions that we have are security blankets. You know, the, you know those new weighted blankets that people buy? It really doesn't help your anxiety, Okay. Like, oh, I just get this weighted blanket, and I just feel, oh, like, anxiety just leaves. No, it doesn't. Like, you have to understand that, that the weighted blanket isn't really doing anything. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's psychological. Well, it says on the box. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes we just think that we, if we will do this, it will eliminate that. And it won't. This is the struggle. It won't just go away. Like his struggles as king didn't just go away. Because he was unwilling to address them, they actually grew. Right? Understand that what you don't, what you stop feeding dies. But the more that you entertain the inner you, the bigger it grows. The more, the, the bigger. Have you ever said like, "I'm gonna, I am gonna get rid of fear this year," and then every time fear comes, you begin to talk to it, you begin to address it, and like you, you feed it, and before you know it, fear got bigger instead of smaller. And the things in our lives that we don't want to grow, we have to stop feeding. They don't just go away; they become bigger issues. I had a friend, sometimes we just think if I just get this new thing, it'll just go away. If I just get this new heart, God will just fix everything. I've got a friend of mine who was a dear friend of mine. And he uh, had, at 16 years old, his kidneys started failing. And he ended up going through dialysis, and he started having dialysis for, for years. And then they finally said, you know what, we can do a transplant. We found a match. We're going to put new kidneys in you. And he was ecstatic. They did this new kidney surgery, gave him brand new kidneys, And about a year into it, he started going back and reverting back to it where he was having to get dialysis treatments. And they were trying to figure out what is this all about. He got new kidneys. And his life was back. He was back at the hospital doing dialysis over and over and over again. Finally, the kidneys died. And they finally found out it wasn't that there was anything wrong with the kidneys. The problem was in the blood. The blood that was in his body was actually attacking his kidneys and killing them. And what I want you to understand is this is it doesn't matter if you get something new, if something bad is in you, it will corrupt what's new. And this new heart that Saul got began to be attacked by what was in him and affecting who he was because God gave him a position, he gave him a new heart, he gave him everything he needed to do to be king. He set him up for success. But the problem was, is what was in him already, he should have used the new heart to confront the old mindsets, the old ways of thinking, the old ways of living, and instead he allowed his old ways of thinking and living to affect and attack his heart, and it corrupted him instead of blessing him. So this is where we really get into the nitty gritty here, verse 13, chapter 13, verse 8. So now Saul is, we're years into this, and Saul is living out his life. And it says there was a war that Saul was in, and he's fighting these people, and he's, he's there's, I mean, there's a, it looks like he's going to lose the battle because they've got to move on, and this is what happens. It says, and meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. See, see, all of these things externally out, around him, He's seen. This is his response. And Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. Samuel was the one who was supposed to sacrifice and, and do what they were waiting for, for, uh, for this to happen. And so as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come, Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings, and Saul sacrificed the offering himself. See, this is so important for us to understand. Because what Saul is, Saul is the king. But what he did is he allowed all the things that were happening around him to determine how he trusted God. Because God put him in king and God set this up. And so, if God is God, then this is his opportunity to trust and find out and see how big God is. See, there comes a point that even if you are king and even if you do have a new heart, you still have to trust the God that put you in that position. And so, he waited for seven days. And so many of us would say, Oh, he was so patient. He was patient, but he wasn't obedient. He didn't do it the way that God set it up. So many of us were like, God, I've been so patient, and you justify your actions in your life because you were patient, but you weren't obedient. You say, God, I did this. I've been sitting here for two years being single. I haven't had sex, and I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. God, why haven't you brought me anybody? It's not about the patience, it's about the obedience. God, I've had this fear, and I've been patient. I've been trusting you and trusting you. Patience is good, but obedience is key. And here he finally says, you know what? I'm done trusting God. I'm going to do this thing myself. And this is what's crazy. It says, and as soon as he did the sacrifice, let's read it. He says, he says, uh, Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, and Saul sacrificed the offering himself. Just as Saul finished the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. You realize that was set up by God to see, Saul, I put you in kingdomship, but who do you really trust, you or me? Because sometimes we can get so confident in our position and in our power and our prestige and our place that we forget to trust God. We get in our bank account and it gets to a certain number. We're like, I don't need God anymore. Really. We get, we get certain relationships. We get certain status. We get certain vehicles. We get certain things paid off. We get certain places in life. And we think, well, I'll just do it myself. I've been patient. And as soon as he finished it, Samuel was like, hey, man, what's going on? Um, I'm just doing your job because I didn't trust God. He didn't say that, but that's really what happened. But here's the thing. Why did he do that? We have to look at the reality of, see, so many times we see the story, but what was going on in Saul that provoked him to do it? Because God gave him kingdomship and he gave him a new heart. So what is going on inside of Saul is this, is I think that Saul, the thing that he got, he didn't want to be king. But he became in love with being king. And he didn't want to lose it. Sometimes the very thing that we don't want, we get. And then we don't want to let it go. And now his position stood more. He cared more about it than his position with Jesus. Right, you ever been there? It's like, man, if I can just get this and God blesses you and he puts you in positions. And then before you know it, it's like, man, I don't even go to church anymore. I don't do this anymore. I don't have a relationship with God anymore. It's like. And it becomes about the position and preserving it and the status. Verse 15. Verse 8, it says this. It says, Then Saul slaughtered the Malachites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag. Now, what we have to understand, and this is why I said there's a lot of text and there's a lot of background, but we've got to understand this, is that God told him to go into this city and take out and destroy every single thing. I mean from the top to the bottom, destroy it all. He said, Okay, he does. He goes in there, and this is where we pick up. And it says this, then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shore, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat, the calves, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything in fact that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or poor quality. Was that his assignment? His assignment was to destroy everything, not what appealed to him or did not appeal to him. So you see, what, you see the trend that is happening, that he is beginning to do what he wants to do and not what God has asked him to do. I'm the king, but you were, you've forgotten who put you there. I'm the boss of my family. But you forgot who put you there. I'm the boss of my company. You forgot who put you there. And it's so easy to forget about who put you there that you just do what you want. I'm just going to take care of my own self. I'm going to do what I want to do. You worry about your own self. Some of y'all haven't seen that meme. So we see here that then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. For he has not been loyal to me. See, this is where you got to understand he was more loyal to himself than his king, his God. This is what happened is that over the course of time, this is years, that he became more loyal to himself than God. Verse 20. This is where it comes in, and he's addressing this, what he had just done. He says, But I did obey the Lord. Saul insisted, I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgag. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience? To his voice. He said, Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Third point, as I close, is this pressure from the outside reveals who you trust on the inside. That's what was really happening, is that pressure on the outside of him really exposed who he trusted. Either he trusted himself or he had to trust God. And I say that, can I get a... <laughs> See, if, if you really want to get where God is calling you into, you've got to be willing to trust him over yourself. There are going to be places that God wants to take you and things that he wants to do in your life and internally that you are going to have to say, God, I don't know about that. And you are going to have to say, obedience is better than sacrifice. Pressure from the outside it really does reveal who you trust on the inside. And I want you to really look at yourself right now. How much do you trust you? Because some of you trust you too much. Some of us, we trust, we trust fear in us more than the God who saved us. We trust anxiety more than the th- fact that God stepped out of a tomb and a grave to give you freedom. Like, what do you trust? Do you trust the emo- the, the emotions of bitterness and pain over the loving embrace of a father? See we have to be really careful that we don't try to be something on the outside that we're not yet on the inside. If Saul was really smart he would have said, okay what does a Saul, what does the Saul on the inside have to deal with that's going to, that's going to confront the king on the outside? There are things inside of me that are going to come at war with the king on the outside. the thing that God is doing on me doing with me on the outside I have to wrestle with what's going on on the inside of me. See, roles will never eliminate your need for God. This is what we see. We see that he's king, but it never eliminated his need to trust God. No matter where you get in life, you should never be in a position where you just, you're like, okay, if I can get here, then I don't have to trust God as much. That's super dangerous ground. But the enemy, or the in of the the end of us, enemy of us, would love to talk us into being like, well, you if you do that, you don't have to trust God as much. And if you're honest, and if I'm honest, I like that. I like sometimes not having to trust God in certain areas, like I had to. I've been even dealing with this thing. Like when we first started the church four years ago, there were some things that I had to step out in. That I was like, man, I do not want to do that. And it's gotten a lot easier over the last four years. But I believe that God is calling the church to a new level. He's calling me as the pastor to a new level. And there are things that I'm gonna have to walk into that I'm like, man, Lord, are you kidding me? But if I wanna go to a new level and see more lives changed and see more people step in a new level of faith, guess what I have to do? I have to deal with more of me to get to this place that God is calling me to. And guess what? You're gonna have to deal with more of you if you want to get to the next place that God's calling you to. See, what are you trying to keep alive that God has asked you to destroy? He was keeping this king alive. That was not the assignment. The assignment was to destroy everything. So many of us, we want to keep certain things alive. We want to... We want to just make sure, run it in the room, make sure it's alive. Like, okay. But your assignment is not to keep certain things alive, but certain emotions, certain bondage, certain fears, certain concerns, certain relationships. Some of y'all need to sever some relationships that are doing nothing but holding you back from a better relationship. See, God will put you in positions that will reveal your capacity as well as expose your character. Had he never been king, he would have never seen what was wrong in him. It was in this capacity, in this, at this level that it exposed his character. I mean, you know, everybody has character until they don't have character. Everybody has, has integrity until they don't have integrity. And certain places in life will, will reveal to you your character and your integrity. And it took Saul coming to this place where he had to trust God. And what everybody thought he did and how he stood with and how he trusted God got exposed in this moment. And I want to just challenge you this, this year that this would be a year where you're saying, okay, my goal is not to be more spiritual so that it looks like that on the outside. It is that I want to be so close to God. Because here's the thing. So many of us, we want to look like God, but not be close to God. But the problem is, is you will never look like God until you have been close to God. But we want the to look it's without the cost of being close. Don't look spiritual. Be spiritual. Be who you are on the inside for yourself. I want to set you free this, this morning. And I pray that that's what you leave feeling like that, is that, look, I'm okay to be me. I don't have to put on my social media, this is my goals for this year. That was the hick, whoever's out here. You know, I got five goals this year. And you were just like, all these people are commenting. I'm so proud of you. And you're like feeling puffed up and better, but you've done nothing yet. Okay, that was good enough. But so many times we do stuff for other people instead of for ourselves. You need to love you enough to do what God has called you to do. Amen? Y'all can stand with me as we close. And we, we have to be as intentional on addressing the inner world as we are the outer world. We have to be like, okay, God, what is it? And what I want to say is this, is that when you hear this sermon and you hear what God may be speaking to you, this is something that you need to take a week or two weeks to process. This is not something that you're just like in here writing stuff down. I mean, if the Lord really did speak to you and show you something, but oftentimes it takes you being with God that He begins to reveal to you what it is. Because my tendency will be, oh, I know what's wrong with me. And you begin to write down, God's like, no, 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 that's nothing that I want you to deal with. Like, I want you to deal with this thing. You're like, that thing. That is not an issue. If God said it's an issue, it's an issue. God said that's where he wants you to go. That's where you need to go. But so many times we have this idea of, well, this is what other people are doing. Turn your social media off. Turn all the influences around you off and just get alone with God and say, okay, God, what is it? What is it that you want me to confront? Who do you want me to be this year, God? I want to be more loving, compassionate, less toned, more forgiving more gracious what do you want to do what does God want you to become this year not the demands of your family and their your relationships I mean Alicia may want some certain things from me guess what I can only fix what God is asking me to fix but I promise you if I fix those she's going to be she's going to be glad because God knows what she needs from her husband And I pray that that you leave this morning knowing, okay, God, you've called me to be king. You've given me a new heart. And these are the things that I need to address to carry this out. The tragedy of this story is this, is that God had an idea and a plan, and Saul didn't go along with it. He resisted it. So, Father, I thank you for every heart, every life, every situation, every circumstance, God. God, you know the deep, the deepest parts of our heart the deepest part of brokenness and pain in areas, God, that we've not let anybody in on. God, you know our potential. So God, I pray right now for this internal life to increase. For our lives to grow spiritually with you. We love you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and your investment in our lives, your interest in our pain, your interest in our deep parts of our lives. This morning, if there's anybody in here to say, yes, I got to know this, this Savior. I got to know this Jesus. I've never prayed this prayer, never given him my life. This morning, I say I want to give him my life and my heart. If that's you this morning, I want to recommit my life. I want to rededicate my life to this To this. Jesus that you're talking about. If that's you this morning, if you would just slip your hand up real quick and you can set it back down. I just want to know who you are. I want to know how we can pray for you. Anybody in here this morning say, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.